my name's Karen O'Connor and you're listening to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast that looks at all aspects of women's lives from hormones and health to relationships, finance and social justice issues. You can connect with me on social media at at karen If you enjoy this podcast or podcast in general and you've been wondering whether you should start your own podcast, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is to start podcasting. Now let's get right into it. Hello and welcome. I'm here today with Bridget Jackson. Welcome. Thank you very much, Karen, for having me on. I'm really thrilled to be here today. Thank you. I was really fascinated when I saw your profile because you're a barrister and you're also a divorce and relationship coach too, which seems like a really interesting combination. There's so much to unpack just yeah, in that. Yeah, exactly. So I'm an enrolled barrister and solicitor of the High Court of New Zealand. I actually haven't worked in law per se, but I have trained and done the degree at Otago University and the profs, etc. And it's really hold me, held me in good stead in terms of being in this space because I never thought I was going to be a divorce coach, I've got to say, Karen. I never envisaged in a million years that I was going to be a divorce coach. So my experience actually led me to this. So what happened? Yeah. So what happened? I ended up getting divorced and it was very acrimonious. It took five years to settle, cost thousands and thousands of dollars, the price of a small house and four children in the mix. And I thought there's got to be a better and a more positive way to do this. And having been having had another business, I thought there's a real gap in the market here and I love finding solutions to gaps in the market. And for me, that's my why, it's my purpose, and I wake up every day and just love what I do. Yeah. So what were you doing before? What was I doing before? There wasn't enough TVs in the house. I had four children in about five and a half years. A lot of that was of a blur, but what I've done in the past is I was the CEO of the New Zealand Gyne Cancer Foundation. My mother sadly died of ovarian cancer at age 62. So I had the real pleasure and it was just amazing to raise funds, have gala dinners with 500 people attending, including prime ministers and things like that. So that was incredible. My ex-husband and I had a business in, a, in Australia that went really well. And after three years, we had a couple of hundred staff. So um, it was very much a case of um, giving birth to my first child and being back at work within a week with a child in one hand and my laptop in the other. Wow. Yeah. So what was your experience through your divorce yeah. and what made you go in this other direction? I left completely unprepared, which is I would not recommend that to anyone. And as, as you and I know, going through the process of separation, it's very difficult to manage your emotions. I didn't have any coaching in terms of being able to manage that through the process. I really didn't have a, an idea about my finances. I thought that going to a lawyer was preparing to separate. And it just isn't. That is so much more that's involved in terms of that. Because as what we do as divorce coaches, we, we pretty much hold pe people's hand where you're a thinking partner as you're going through the process. Because inevitably, when you're going through this experience, this life transition, which is at the top of the stress continuum, 
these mistakes you make, these pitfalls that you fall into and helping people, guiding them in terms of going through the process and making those best decisions is invaluable to people. They're picking up skills that they can use moving forward in terms of their new beginnings and even having other relationships, for example, how they communicate with each other. Our focus is on the five pillars of separation, as we call it, and that's legal, parenting, financial, being in Korea. But coming back to my experience with separation, I did something that I highly regret, and that was disparaging my ex to my children. And going through this process, you realize that if you don't enter into this process the way you want to finish it, and that is being amicable, divorcing well, separating with dignity, the children are maximum that they are the ones who are impacted the most going through the process. So there's many things that I'd wish I'd done differently. And that also included actually having a script and sitting down with my ex-partner and saying to him in an amicable way in terms of separating and what that looked like moving forward. So I could write a book. I probably should write a book. Probably should um, write a book. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is so difficult, isn't it? Because I know from my own experience, I'm, I've got four kids too, I've got to say, but I spread them out a little bit and mine are older. And, and so that experience for me of, having to be organized if you've got four kids at private school you need to get organized because you've got to get them all at the house every morning with their sports kit their school stuff their lunches their musical instruments whatever they've got with them you need to be organized so the first thing i did was i made a list absolutely <laughs> i did my list and i went through everything in our lives and i went this and this is what needs to happen i'll do blah and you'll do this and i gave it to my husband not a list person <laughs> i just went <laughs> it was that was my list because that was what i did but it for me it made it really clear it m muddied the waters massively for him because now he does things but yeah. for me, it's really clear. And That's I went right. everything from the, bill, the Telstra, the phone bill. Okay, you need to go and take these actions. And I'm going in today and taking these actions. And it, that kind of made it simple. And it, it laid out a process. But it's not something that I don't think a lot of people would consider doing, <laughs> making a list. No, so you led the process in terms of that. You were the initiator, were you as well, of your separation? Uh, yeah. There was an action there was an event that happened and it was my right. okay. response okay. to that event yes that yeah that's all I want to say at this point in time in public but yeah absolutely that, yeah yes it, yeah there was something happened and I went and nah and then it's been interesting at various times because while I've always been the organizer in the house in the relationship with the finances everything but it's been interesting how he, and I think this is important to talk about too, he at some points went, oh, I'm taking control and this is what I need to do because I think he feels that 
he also has to have a say in this, whereas if I do all the organising, it's all me. Mm, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think women tend to be like that, don't they? They are generally the ones who organise and project manage life and multitask and, and all the rest of it. But yeah, the thing is, it really is focusing on shared and common interests. And if you're able to turn it around and bring your partner into the process, these are my thoughts that I've written down in relation to a parenting plan or the finances. I would really love your input. And so bring them on board and take them with you. That's always not possible, obviously, because if someone feels like if they haven't been the initiator and they've been blindsided by the separation, there are those different stages of grief. You have run the running race past the finish line. You've accepted the separation, obviously, and he or she is um, still at the start line. And it can be very difficult to negotiate with someone who is what the hell? We're separating. And the interesting thing is, the stat is that 70% of women actually are the ones who initiate separations. And that seems to be a worldwide figure in terms of that, which is really interesting because women generally leave a relationship emotionally at least two years before they leave physically. And, and men, it seems to me from working at the coalface, being in the trenches, that men, they seem to be not happy, but will just stay in these less than adequate relationships. And I can only talk about my husband, right? But comfortable is good enough. <laughs> as long as he can deal with me. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly it. It's not a problem. I wonder if that's part of the reason why women stay those extra two years because there's not a reciprocation of that feeling that, that this isn't working. There's not that. And if there was, would it all end sooner? Don't know. And that comes back to the, the wife walk away syndrome that's been coined by a TED speaker called Michelle Weiner davis and which maintains and backs up that two-thirds of divorces are initiated by women. And that's when women feel like they've had to fully take on that role of emotional caretaker in the relationship or mothering, as it's been called. And so women generally really make their relationship a priority, insisting on quality time together, date nights, meaningful conversation and shared interest and shared activities. And this is seen by men as nagging and they unanswered pleas for sharing the load and equally contributing to the relationships and men take a stance generally in terms of if she nags me less and asks nicely I will do what she says she wants me to do and maintaining that they're not mind readers and they haven't got ESP so yeah that's the difference there which really misses the point in terms of what women are saying. I see it and hear it time and time again. I've been basically wiping his bottom and doing everything in the house while he works and I'm bringing up three children and I'm really not very happy in this relationship anymore. So they pack up their bags and off they go emotionally and physically and the guy's wondering why there's no furniture left in the house except a bed and a chair. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because I'm having exactly that experience. I, I, well, I left, you threw me out, and I left with just a suitcase. <laughs> All the furniture. Dude, 
it's just fascinating. And the thing that I struggle with talking and moving, expanding on what you were just saying is my constant refrain was you don't take responsibility. You don't take responsibility. Mm. And that dismissal and the denial and the, I don't know what you're talking about, just stop having a moment kind of thing is so debilitating. And I find looking back on what my life was like back then, I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's that frog in a boiling water thing. You put a frog in a pan of water and you don't realise. It's like, oh, my God. No, because you are, and you're trying to fit into this little box because you need to, you lose your identity and you lose your purpose for life because you're trying to be somebody else, which builds up with resentment. And then one day, like me, I just went, that's it, I'm done. And I hadn't prepared to separate. I hadn't prepared to have the conversation. And oh my God, the feelings of failure. And then I'm like, oh my God, because 75% of the women I see in my business have no idea about their finances. It's huge. Even just the financial aspect of that, particularly if you haven't been working for 15 years, what is that going to look like for you now moving forward? How are you going to financially be able to move forward as a single person? And predominantly, five out of six women are left with the children and the finances. That is a, the stat that that generally happens is that women are financially worse off after separation because if they've been the caregiver, they've sacrificed their career, obviously, to do that. So they are generally way behind in terms of the other partner and their earning capacity for a start. There's so many positives for doing it the right way. There really is. So So what is the right way? Talk to me about that. It's If it's a mutual separation, it's actually deciding that you want to work with each other amicably moving forward because well, whether whether you're the initiator or not or mutual whatever I say to clients I want you to think about when Johnny's 25 years old and telling other people what your separation was like how do you want that to look like and also having no regrets in terms of going through the process in six months in two years in five years time what do you want to be thinking to yourself? What are you and reflecting on what my experience was like as I went through it and how I behaved? I think that is a really big thing that people need to think about. People also need to turn it around and think about being in the other person's shoes. What is that going to look like for them? And also realizing that you can only control your behaviors and your actions and change them. You can't control anyone else's actions and behaviours. And having the likes of divorce coaches, someone by your side to actually be that sounding board when, for example, you say, I'm having um, care of the children 100% and I don't care and that's it, end of story. Let's walk down the path of what that looks like, shall we? What are your thoughts? Do you think your children need a mum and dad in their life or a mum and mum or dad and dad? Let's talk about that. So really unpacking all of this stuff and a lot of the trauma that people have, a lot of the issues that people have do stem from their childhood. So it's actually, this is an opportunity for you to have a new beginning and a new you and a new life and sort all this shit out that's in your backyard 
So then you can move forward. It, it is interesting though, isn't it? Because <laughs> we've, we've both done a lot of personal development work over the year and that over the years, and that's come in so useful this past 12 months. But it's also, I've been aware, like I got by the end of January, we, so we decided to separate the beginning of December. By the end of January, I was like, I am so fed up of being the adult in this relationship. <laughs> there is only me that's managing myself and I'm just sick of it. <laughs> yeah. This just all resonates with you, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. Oh, it does. And, it, and it's fascinating. I was fortunate enough to recognise that the one thing I needed was support. I needed people to offload to and I needed people who were going to hold me to account when I wasn't behaving in a way that was yeah. going to get me the outcome. You needed me then, hey. Oh, You yes. needed me. I did. I did. But I, was, I was really fortunate because, because I've been doing the podcast, there were a few professional people that I could get in touch with. So one of the first things I yep. did was get in touch with a, a former guest on my podcast. She came on my podcast about 18 months prior to that, who was a divorce lawyer and coach. So I just made an appointment to see her. And that was really great because she listened to everything. She said, "It's this is what the separation should look like. This is what the split should look like. So I was really clear from the beginning of January exactly yep. what it needed to look yep. like. And that left yep. no room for, it gave me a clear path. Let me put it that way. It, there was a clear path and that made so much And difference. that's what you need. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what we do. We do the roadmap. This is the plan. What are the outcomes that you want? How are we going to get there? When are you going to get there? And who, are, who else do we need to bring into the, your team to help you through that process? And, that, and we review that every time we meet with our clients. And that is gold. That is absolutely gold. And one thing that people do need to bear in mind, family and friends can be absolutely wonderful in terms of support. But on the other hand, the witch's coven, go and get him or her and, and take them for everything they've got comes with stop signs there because it can be really detrimental advice that they give you. One lawyer that has been good for Cheryl down the road, two streets down, potentially is not going to be the right lawyer for you, for example. You need someone who's got the right style and approach and is aligned with your values and the outcome that you want. Mm. It, it was interesting because my husband went to talk to a solicitor after I'd spoken to mine and because I, I said, she said to me, make sure he goes and gets legal advice. So he did. But he went for an initial meeting, excuse me, with the solicitor. And the solicitor said to me, oh, no, you don't want to do anything more than 50-50. And if you can get anything off that, if we can give a less, we'll give a less. We'll take this to court and we'll fight it and everything. And John said he was going in for his second meeting and he said, I'm sitting there thinking, why am I doing this? All I'm doing is taking money away from my daughter because I've only got one child who's still at home. He said, I'd rather give that money that I'm going to be paying the solicitor to fight this mm. to, he said, I'd rather give it to my daughter because the solicitor had said, because 
like you, oh, like a lot of women, I'd stayed at home and brought up the four kids. So I haven't been in the workforce for nearly 30 years. So she said, this would be the split that the court is likely to give you based on everything you've told me, what work he's done, what work you've done inside and outside the home, this would be the split. And I told him that. And that was how we've ended up doing it. We just split everything, <laughs> including all the business debt. Yeah. <laughs> Went yeah. in that same see, split. See, that's... Yeah, see, congratulations to John for having the ins because mm. unfortunately a lot of people, there are some cases where amicable couples go and see the lawyers and it becomes, it certainly it becomes acrimonious in terms of that because lawyers are there for a reason. They are to obviously educate you on the legal ramifications of separation, but they are positional. And in some cases, I'm not saying all because lawyers are fantastic. Look, I'm a trained one myself, done the qualification, that they can end up fueling the conflict. So what we do within our business is we do facilitated conversations, draw up MOUs between, because we work with a lot of amicable couples, which is really encouraging. And then they share that with the respective lawyers. And it saves them so much money and so much time. We also do pre-mediation, pre-facilitated conversation, preparation coaching. And that also includes helping them manage their emotions through the process. What triggers you about John, for example? And is working through all of that. And it's vitally important that people are prepared going into this process as well as they can be to avoid the regrets that they have when they're lying on their deathbed at 85 going, shit, I regret the way I went through this. It's interesting that what you say about triggers there, I think that's the most important thing because my experience yep. is what yep. irritated me when we were in a relationship absolutely infuriates me now. <laughs> my reaction is shocking and I have to just go and he I just need to take a step back and just leave it for a few days and then I'll come yep. back to yep. yep. Good. Not... yes absolutely it's a reaction not does a that, does that... <laughs> yes it does that does that communication actually require a response yeah and it, you learn so much you learn so much about yourself you really do. And you want to avoid getting into a relationship with someone who's similar to UX, obviously, for obvious reasons. And all of this work that we do with clients ensures that you make better decisions moving forward across all of those aspects of life, you know. It's um, really interesting and, because uh, I don't think most people, we're not necessarily aware of what it is that triggers us, are we? And what doesn't work in the relationship for us. No, absolutely. And and there's light bulb moments too when particularly women, but there's also men too. I work with both probably 60% women, 65% women, the remainder men. And it's all my fault in this relationship, for example. And I feel hopeless and worthless and I'm not good enough. And then we talk in general about high conflict personalities and then light bulb moment comes, wow, okay. So... I understand now why our relationship hasn't worked. So it's really moving forward, particularly in light of if you've got children, is are we going to be co-parenting or parallel parenting? And, and how can we actually show up at the marriages of our children if they haven't been put off getting married? And other events actually showing our children 
that we can have a really effective co-parenting relationship moving forward, which in turn gives children stability and obviously lessens the toll on them in terms of going through this. There's been fair settlements. You're able to find yourself again. There are really positives of separation. There are positives, but it's not all negative. It really isn't. Children are able to be empathetic, independent, self-sufficient going through the process. People's relationships with each other improve, which, as I said, you can use those skills in terms of other relationships in business and personal, etc. So many, because the rates in New Zealand, for example, are getting up to about 60% of people separating. Less people getting married, but more in de facto relationships. But obviously the law applies here after three years, the Property Relationship Act. When people say to me, you've changed our lives and we've actually got a better relationship now than what we had, I have to go into the corner of my office and have a little cry. I really do. That is love. How do you achieve that? What happens within them for you to achieve that outcome? They're changing their mindset and their perspective. When you talk about having walked in their shoes and walking down those different paths of what is that looking like if you're going to be communicating with him or her in this way, if you're going to be attacking them and saying, I, I, for example, developing a script in terms of telling your partner you want to separate if you're the initiator. I don't like you because you had an affair or you never packed the dishwasher properly, whatever. It's more along the lines of neutral statements. We are not aligned anymore rather than being on the attack attacking approach. It's being assertive rather than passive or passive-aggressive or aggressive. And it's actually role-playing with couples or individuals taking them through that, how they can communicate differently moving forward in a very positive way. Because people, you were mentioning it, clients have to be accountable to us. We show up and we add value. We believe we add huge value in terms of this industry and what we do. So you need to be committed as a client and show up and be willing to make those changes positively that you need to make to improve your life across all aspects from a holistic point of from a whole point of view moving forward because as you and I know your mental health and your well-being gets battered massively I liken separation to being dragged through hot coals backwards blindsided or blindfolded (laughs) yeah with no shoes on with no shoes on no No, it's interesting. How do you, that was where I was going to go with it. How do, my children are all older. Three of them have left home. The youngest one, she's 19. How old are they? Uh, The eldest is 20. The youngest is 20 in a week or so. So mine are a lot older. And so they're dealing with it from an adult perspective. But it's been interesting to notice the different ways they've dealt with it. Some have dealt with it. Some are the, what can I say, the negotiators, they're the mediators, they want everything to be at peace and they're, they're going to sit on the fence and everything's okay on both sides and they're going to make sure of that. Others, are, none of them have taken sides Don't and I've not requested that anybody take sides, I've been really clear about that. Yes. But yes. still dealing yeah, with wonderful. upset is can be challenging, It's but why? We don't understand. Oh, look, absolutely, and adult children 
people separating with adult children, it can be very difficult for adult children. It really mm. can. It's difficult for children at any age, but particularly because a lot of people stay in these relationships and then decide to leave once the children leave. In terms of dealing with, that's why we do the coaching around working, if we can, with both couple, both people rather than just the individual. If not, the individual can proceed, have a chat if that's possible with the other partner around the kitchen table about how to go through this process because there's research being done in terms of divorce disclosure that children, whatever age, want both of their parents to be at that discussion, at that conversation. And it's about both parties actually sitting down and developing a script together and what that looks like. And also children react and young adults, teenagers react in different ways, as you've talked about, different personalities, different attachments in terms of parents, etc. And so it's actually allowing, we talk about couples actually allowing time for their children to process, to making sure that they're in their lives over the next few days, both of them, because one, your 19-year-old, for example, might not want to talk about it for two days, but go silent. Another one might be like, I want to deal with this right now. I want to speak to both of you together, or I want to speak to you first, mum, and then dad. Um, and, and the biggest thing, coming back to the biggest thing, as I said, is not disparaging each other in front of the children is vitally important. Or expecting your children uh, are going to support you through this process. Mm. There's a lot of reassurance that needs to go on. Nothing will change. We still love you and will always love you. We're always going to be your parents. So a lot of reassurance is needed for children, young adults, teenagers, tweens going through this process. Yeah. They want their lives to continue. Mm. No. Am I going to have spag bowl on the table for dinner on Wednesday nights? Still be able to see my friends, do what I do. That is one of the most important conversations in terms of the coaching that we do, apart obviously from the, how to tell your partner to separate if you're the initiator, is actually having that conversation with the children. There's things that should be discussed, there's things that shouldn't be discussed, and setting the scene for you both consciously uncoupling, divorcing well, separating with dignity. If you can get that right in the first instance, that will hold you all in good stead moving forward to ensure that the relationship is not decimated with each other, but also with your children and the wider family and the community. Also having a script. How do we tell family and friends we need to be aligned and on the same page with that? What does that look like? Yeah, that's us? a difficult one, isn't it? In a way, I was glad that we mm. had this event because it was something that we could both easily go, that's, that's the pivot point. That's the breaking point. Because until then, and I think looking back on the last few years and what you were saying, women emotionally leave a relationship two years before they physically leave, it was like I knew I was unhappy. We both knew it wasn't working because John wasn't happy either, but there was nothing specific that we could put our fingers on to say this is why it's not working. It just wasn't working. And then there's this need from other people as well as ourselves to justify <laughs> why you're going to finish the relationship. 
Why are you going to end the relationship? And so that event made it really easy because we could both go, that was it. Whereas before there was no, that was it. It was just a vague feeling of, well, it's not working. And I wonder mm, how and- much an impact that has to make us stay. Yeah, absolutely. But there's the signs that it's over that you may not have even wanted to take on board or even think about. It's like this big elephant in the room, isn't it, who hasn't been dealt with. And generally, on average, couples, if you don't do anything about your relationship issues or talk about them or deal with them, resolve them within six years, it's likely that your relationship's going to be over. So do you feel like you had issues in your relationship, both of you, for more than six years? Do you feel like yeah. you, you did? Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. was a, there was, yeah. yeah, I'd say probably 10, 10 years. Very common. So you've got to be able to rip off that Band-Aid and deal with them. And as you and I know, it's got to be two people that want to be in a relationship, not just one. You've both got to really want to work on it and make it work. Because in our business, we are certainly not got up a sign saying we are pro-divorce. We believe that you need to leave no stone unturned in terms of making your relationship work. And we will do whatever we can to help. We have a program, Should I Stay, Should I Go, which is for people who are on the fence. And that gives them great clarity about what do we want to preserve in our relationship? What do we want to, what needs to be negated for us to move forward? all of those sort of things. What is our life going to look like across all the different portfolios, financial, family, social, if we do separate? That really is enlightening for a lot of people and gives them a lot of the opportunity to self-reflect and take some time and be proactive rather than reactive in terms of making the decision to separate or have a trial separation or, or whatever it looks like. But I just love it when people stay together But invariably, by the time they get to us, they've made the decision to separate. Yeah, it's interesting. Is that because usually it's, it's, is it one person who's admitting that the relationship isn't working and the other person's just like blinkers on, headphones on, I can't hear you? Is Is that part of the problem? It is part of the problem. We get a mix of both. I would say in terms of thinking about it, there's more people who come to us, and as I said, women, 70% of women initiate separations, more initiators than mutual decision makers. However, as I said, it's really encouraging. Those who are not the initiator have the foresight generally to realise that they have to do this amicably for so many reasons. But yes, generally relationships issues have been going for years and years. One person feels like they've been really trying in the relationship, but the cycle continues and the other party is happy with the status quo. seems to be very common. Mm. And you're right, there's events that generally do happen. Uh, Infidelity is very common. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. I recommend that you actually get out of one relationship before you get into another, particularly if the other party doesn't know and finds out, then the conflict escalates. The other area of contention, yes, absolutely, is the third parties and 
having that conversation with each other, what that looks like when you do end up with third parties moving forward. When are they going to meet the children? When are they going to potentially be brought into the relationship? Because that can absolutely cause everything to go to custard. If Johnny's friend tells Johnny that he's seen his mother with XYZ and then that gets back to half of the school community before the person who has the third party hasn't told the other partner. You can imagine it's like a train wreck, quite frankly. Yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? I hadn't even thought of that. Like when the kids are younger, it's difficult. But even when they're older, that kind of thing would just be, be yeah. knocked by a train. It's just, oh, it is. Far out. Absolutely. And, and if you're not able to be on the same page, that starts to bring playing off the children as pawns against each other and alienation and children not talking to parents for months and years and all of that stuff that you don't want to, no one's got time for that in their lives. People have got to have the insight and the support to be able to get through this. This is a mountain that no one wants to climb, but there's a way of doing it well and there's a way of not doing it well. <laughs> so tell me, okay, tell me what not doing it well looks like and then we'll go on to doing it well. <laughs> Okay, first of all, let's just think up a scenario, shall we? Uh, whilst you're still in a relationship, having a relationship with somebody else and then the other party finding out from somebody else, for example, not knowing what you own and owe, having no visibility or transparency over your finances, for example. Um, I say also to people to always keep your hand in some sort of work particularly women, even if it's just charity work or being on the PTA, Parents and Friends Association, making sure that you always have a hand in work. Because I think that too many people think, particularly women, now I'm married or in a de facto relationship, my life is guaranteed. I'm thinking about my 60th wedding anniversary and what the cake's going to look like, and she'll be right. She'll absolutely be right. Another mistake that people make is actually putting the decision-making into other people's hands like their lawyers or other people. At the end of the day, this is your life. This is your stuff, your choices that you need to make. Entering into another relationship and thinking that, okay, I won't deal, I don't need anything from my previous relationship. She or he can have everything, that's fine. I'll be getting all of that from my new relationship. Wow. Okay. Expecting certainty and guarantees. People say to me, how long is this going to take for me? And I say, look, if I had a crystal ball, I'll be a trillionaire. I mean, I'd be able to tell you how much this is going to cost and how long is this is going to take. Because it all comes down to you being able to manage your emotions through this process. And actually being able to look at the other person and think of, as I said, about being in their shoes and what it's going to look like for them. They're fearful as well. They are fearful they're not going to have any access to their children, for example. They're fearful about how they're going to manage financially through this process. They're feeling failure, that word failure. Everyone feels like they've failed when they go through a separation or divorce. Even the word divorce 
sounds negative, doesn't it? There's so many mistakes that you can make through this process. It's unlimited, unfortunately. But it's actually being able to take stock, take stock, get your support team around you and utilising them in a positive way so you're able to live with yourself in the future and your children are going to be able to say, mum and dad did such a fantastic job of separating we're really proud of them. It's easier said than done. Easier oh. said than done. But realizing that we are human and we make mistakes, but you've got a blank canvas there for the future. And what do you want that to look like? What's your storyboard? What's going to be on there? And it's also coming back to loving the person you are and that. Is about your health and well-being. If you can put yourself first and you need to do that, put yourself first, you're going to be able to be there to support your children, support your other family members, support other people because you have put yourself as a priority. Sleeping, eating, exercising. A lot of people going through this process drink too much, overeat, undereat, drugs. If there's any sort of addictions, they tend to come out, understandably. So it's actually consciously going, right, where I am now, and actually reaching out for support and help and realising that you need that. Thank you. And, and I think what you were saying there about learning to be okay with yourself and understanding yourself, I think, and being kind to yourself, that's actually key mm. and being able mm. to go do you know what I mm. can't do today mm. I'm just gonna sit and watch telly or I'm gonna go for a big walk and I'm gonna and I'm gonna go for a big walk and I'm gonna do whatever I need to recenter and refocus myself that's been a big lesson for me because it's with four kids mm. you don't get that chance mm. to do that mm. and I've had to learn right but it's been yeah. what's had me come out of this with any sort of sanity and dignity. <laughs> it's just mm. taking that time out and being kind to myself, which is a novel idea. <laughs> and we should we need to take shares in tissue company because we obviously get a lot of people upset and crying here. It's okay not to be okay. This is very normal. If you weren't grieving, it's the grief process. It's akin to bereavement, mm. except the person generally is still around. <laughs> Yeah, unless you've, I don't know. But yes, it's not an easy time to go through. You're laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So we're going to have to wrap up in a minute. I could keep going, Bridget. Tell me or tell everybody. Same. I'd love to come on again. Oh, yeah. that'd be fantastic, actually. That'd be really great because there is so many things <laughs> in this topic that I think it's been interesting for me this year, because I've shared a little bit about what I'm going through, only a little bit, but mm. it's been interesting how many people have reached out to me privately and said, you're so courageous, I wish I could, or I almost did that and then couldn't go through with it. Wow. And that's been fascinating to, to experience that because I didn't, that was what I did not expect that other people, other women. It was yes, absolutely. 
Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people behind closed doors. Look, I would have thought about it for, like you, at least 10 years before I left. And it is having that courage to leave. And congratulations to everyone who is able to do that uh, because it's tough. But mm. I'm happy to speak to anyone who you know, wants to have a conversation about that because you do need that support beside you because you feel very alone going through this. There's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of regret. There's a lot of that, as I said, failure and feeling like you're splitting up the family or being told that you've split up the family. Family members who are not think that you should just stay with them anyway. All of those different beliefs and different cultures, all of that come into play. It's it's one of the toughest things that you can go through and you can't do it all by yourself. You really can't. Get the support you need, people. You won't regret it at all. Thank you. How can people get in touch with you? So my website is equal x's e-q-u-a-l-e-x-e-s dot com they can there's contact details on there you can give me a call on my mobile you can email me you can send through a 15 minute call book in for a 15 minute call send through a message on chatbots i'm on facebook obviously and Instagram, linkedin i'd love to chat to anyone who would who's thinking about it or in the middle of it or at the end of it and needs to transform themselves to find themselves the new you would be more than me and my team would be more than happy to chat to anyone who needs that support part of what we do also is obviously we're available anytime if people work with us to ring up and have a bit of a cry or i've got this question or text us or email us that's just you need that ongoing support to get you through it absolutely thank you it takes on average about three years to get through separation thank you very much yeah all those details by the way will be on the website that goes with the podcast so if you didn't pick that up then it'll be on there but thank you so much it's been so much fun so full of information really appreciate it oh thank you karen i've loved every minute it's been great loved it (laughs) All right, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks. Bye now. Bye, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. And don't forget, if you've been thinking how great it would be to have your own podcast so that you can interview guests and speak to people about the topics that you're interested in personally, head on over to speakuppodcasting.com to find out just how easy and cheap it is for you to start podcasting. There's a download on how to start a podcast for free waiting there for you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time.